Hello, is this thing on? Of course it is. They can definitely hear us. Yeah, we're in our fourth season. There's no silencing us now. Welcome to the Gritty Nurse Podcast, an unfiltered discussion on health and healthcare. My name is Amy Archibald Burley. And I'm Sarah Fung, and we are your podcast hosts. Please make sure that you subscribe to our new YouTube channel where you can watch our podcast in video format. Please hit the subscribe button. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any other podcast platform, leave us a rating and review. Hi and welcome everyone. Thank you so much for joining us week to week. We have an amazing episode because this is a historic moment for nurses in Ontario. And I think this is also an opportunity to talk about some things that we do want to see, although it was a really good change. There's some other things that we do need to touch on that were even brought to our attention um, that we didn't even know about. So before we get into the episode, Sarah, take it away. What are we talking about today? So just to back things up a little more, um, you guys know that Amy and I have been talking about Bill 124 for years. This is actually what literally we, years now. Literally, Holy this crap. is what we were talking about when we first started doing media. So back in 2019, uh, many of you may be aware that the... Uh, built 124 held nurses at uh, less than 1% pay increase. So hugely capped our wages at a time where we were doing more than we'd ever done before during the pandemic. Um, so that was a huge deal. And then there was something called the Bill 124 reopener, where they were open to rediscussing these terms and negotiating a higher uh, wage increase. And it just turns out that um, earlier this month, so July 2023, there was a decision made through arbitration that nurses were to receive an ex- extensive, well, I would say bigger pay raise than we've ever gotten before. Um, so let me see what the exact details are. So this was an arbitration decision, which provides average wage increases of 11% over two years. So this really means that for nurses that are on a pay grid, they were um, increasing their pay grid. So their normal hourly rate in addition to receiving extra increases over the next two years. Um, and this was decided I believe it was July 20th, so not too long ago, just a few days ago, Amy and I both did media interviews to share what our thoughts were on this. And so maybe we can also talk about what your initial thoughts were. Like, what did you think when you first heard this news? Yeah, you know, to be honest, when I when I first heard the news, I was actually, I was happy. Um, it's mm-hmm. been such a long time coming for nurses to actually have some recognition. So even backing it up, um, Bill 124 was this really restrictive bill. I mean, at the beginning of the pandemic, and I think in other provinces, um, there were bills that were put in place and to ensure that, you know, there was going to be a workforce during the COVID-19 pandemic. But this, there was an overreach. And um, Bill 124 uh, stopped or I should say interfered with the way that nurses would collectively bargain. And also it just was unfair. Um, They were capping nurses wages at less than 1% where we were seeing, you know, huge raises for various Mm. different other professions, whether it was policing, firefighting, these male dominant professions, while, you know, nurses and teachers were taking a, a huge hit. So this was historic to say, you know what, one, the, the, the other piece that we didn't talk about was that Bill 124 um, was found unconstitutional mm-hmm. and the government of Ontario is actually actively taking nurses to, to court still over this, which is another outrageous point. But the fact that this now arbitrator said, 
yeah, this is money that's owed to nurses. This is mm-hmm. what's been deserved to them. You know, the the banging of the pots and pans were great, mm-hmm. but also it's the financial aspect is great because mm-hmm. nurses have been suffering and inflation's been high. And I think this is just timely. Yeah, I was really emotional actually when I read that we'd actually the arbitrator sided in favor of the nurses because we've been talking about this for so long yeah. and to have someone from outside of the industry actually say, yes, you deserve way more than you'd be getting paid. Yes. You've been put through hell during the pandemic. It just made me feel like, okay, finally someone heard what we were saying over the past few years. And I'm sure many of you feel the same way. And then of course, as I started to dig a little bit and, you know, ask questions, it's not perfect. So I will say it is definitely a step in the right direction. I'm very grateful for the gains that were made. I do think there are a number of uh, opportunities to be explored still. And uh, I did ask this question on social media and I just want to read some of the comments that um, of first initial thoughts that people had. Um, one was that we finally want a pay increase after being held back for so long. It's nice to finally be recognized. Um, this is the best raise in a decade. Overall, I think we got a good raise considering what we have gotten historically. And then we are thankful for the compensation, but the damage has been done. We now need to recruit and train nurses. Yeah, I mean, I think those those are the same comments that I was seeing off of my own social media posts. And and again, I think they also drew attention to other issues, right? I think when we, we think about money, like money is one part of the problem, mm-hmm. but we still have other issues, right? I think that, um, you know, some people were kind of like, okay, you know, maybe they think that, you know, because we've received this historic uh, increase that the the situation should be fixed mm-hmm. and it's not it is not fixed there are still and there this doesn't cover all nurses so maybe you can mm. kind of get into that too because one um it it will support registered nurses who are a part of the union and that excludes a large body of nurses who are not a part of the union and i actually address this in not just in my social media posts as well as um through conversation just saying you know what um, there are nurses that are missing from this. There are nurses that works in community. I think you said community mm-hmm. home yep. care. Yep. Um, there are nurses that work in the public health spaces. There are nurses working in non-traditional roles like myself and Sarah mm-hmm. that are excluded from this historic increase. And it doesn't mean that we've worked any less or not as hard. But again, um, another part of the conversation that most folks might not know about. Right. And it was brought to my attention actually by nurse practitioners that they didn't benefit as much from this uh, arbitration decision. So for example, they were part of the grid increase. So their hourly rate increased, but they aren't part of that um, three or 3.5% increase overall over the next two years. Um, there are, like you said, it was only Ona that received this benefit, so not other unions. Also, I was I was shocked to find out that nurses that are in unions that are in home and community care did not benefit from this uh, wow. arbitration decision, even though they are part of Ona. And as well, um, just in general, a lot of registered practical nurses, so RPNs, feel that um, they're, they didn't get that pay increase, yet their scope of practice keeps increasing. Right. So, so it's a lot of just like offloading tasks. And, you know, there are situations where even PSWs are having to do more and more. So it's just sort of this offloading of tasks that I've been seeing a lot of. And maybe this is another whole podcast episode in itself, but definitely something that is concerning to me. Well, it almost brings up the, the conversation, mm-hmm. is a nurse a nurse a nurse or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And I think this is where we, we need to start t- thinking about 
having strength in numbers, right? I think that, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that nurse, uh, registered practical nurses were kind of left off, again, they're not a part of our union. Most folks not might not know that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of still a little bit of a slight against them. Like, I think they were working in lockstep with RNs during this very, very difficult time and still continuing to work. And again, the fact that even mm-hmm. some provinces don't even recognize, uh, you know, LPNs or we call them RPNs here as nurses is a whole other part of the conversation. And I think that, you know, at the mm-hmm. end of the day, what I kind of found about this was this is, this should be a historic win for all nurses, but again, not all nurses were involved. So how do we go and move forward to making sure that all nurses are actually getting what they deserve from a pay standpoint as well? Yeah, it's hard to say, right? Because I've heard so many times, you know, why are RPNs and RNs not in the same union? I think that is a whole other thing to explore. There's a lot of history behind that. But like you said, Amy, if we focus on strength in numbers, that is is the best thing that we have is just the sheer number of nurses and really working towards the same goal, I think is really important. Um, even looking at other historic wins for nursing, they have been anywhere in the range of up to 19% for the New York nurses strike right. up to 13% for the nurses in BC. And I think like, like we focus a lot on this 11%, right? It does sound like a big number when you put it, when you put it all together. But if you think about how long we've been held, um, like we haven't been able to negotiate a pay increase, 11%. It's spread out over a long time and I can't help but think of other male-dominated industries that didn't have to fight as long or as hard as we did and received an even bigger pay increase. A hundred percent. So I can't, I can't talk about this episode without at least mentioning that. No, no, you're, you're, mm. you're absolutely right. And I think that, you know, we, we, we got to take them when we get them. But again, like I, like I said many times over and over, like this this fight that we continue to have cannot be done. Uh, we can't stop here knowing that um, the other piece and the other thing that we're seeing is the pullback on healthcare services, right? Again, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're continuing to fight for what we believe is the right thing, which is always seeing better patient healthcare outcomes. But the more the government peels back on, you know, healthcare services, the more we see a privatization. So for example, just today, there was an article released about how much the government has spent on privatized nursing agencies. Like we didn't have those numbers before. Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. again, being very conscious of saying that, you know, we're not blaming the nurses, but the system that mm-hmm. has created this, this industry, mm-hmm. um, these are the issues that we were, we're seeing that that we're faced with. And I think that at the end of the day, if we can all come together collectively, that will be how we can really solve some of these issues. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I am concerned with some of these narratives in terms of the fact that there is this division. Again, um, when I think about unions and I think about, you know, the strength of unions, I really think this is a win for frontline nurses. Um, And what I mean by that, I I really want to back that up. What I mean by that is, if I think back three years ago about Bill 124, people had no idea what Mm. it was. No Mm. one. Like, I remember seeing it in the paper. I don't know if it was in the paper. I think it was just mumblings through Facebook groups that we were involved with, hearing about this Bill 124, seeing it kind of come to life. But not the public had no clue what Bill 124 was. And this is where I saw, you know, frontline nurses, nurses who were not backed by any large associations coming out saying, hey, this is what we're seeing in healthcare, putting their necks 
their heads on chopping blocks mm -hmm. to do media interviews where like i'm telling you any anybody out there who works in journalism try finding a nurse to speak out about these issues that are that's not a part of a regulatory body or backed by a large organization it was very difficult mm -hmm. so there were a lot of nurses who took this upon themselves to have that conversation to say hey this is what's happening and bill 124 is as is directly impacting the way that nurses deliver care because it was a slight against nurses and i really believe i truly believe that this win is for them yes thank you ona for being at the table mm -hmm. for doing mm -hmm. the the back the negotiations doing all of that work but i do believe this is a win for nurses who consider themselves to be advocates that were out there not backed by any large organization and doing this hard work right and i think there's this um, lack of understanding outside of nursing about how much of a risk nurses take when they put themselves out there. So you think that, you know, why aren't nurses coming out and why aren't they speaking? To be honest, it is, it is a professional and it's a personal risk. You right. and I both know this. Yep. So not only is it a personal risk in exposing yourself, but you may face backlash from your organization, from your manager, even from your colleagues. Well, we experience going, backlash. That's yeah. a whole other thing. We haven't even talked about that, but like, yeah, you're yeah. right. But I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised at this point, but nurses have told us that even their own colleagues gave them backlash right. for going onto the media and speaking. So whether it comes from a place of jealousy or just because they think that we should sit back and let our organizations, our unions, our professional organizations speak for us, it just speaks to, I think, the divide within nursing that a lot of times we still aren't on the same page and we really need to be when we're fighting this fight. A hundred percent. So let's get on the same page and let's do that <laughs> by, by starting to have some more conversations. So, you know what, like I said, at the top of the episode, you know, um, bill 124, we're still working through that. We're still mm -hmm. being sued by the government, a whole other drama, but you know, we do, we do have this historic wage increase. Will that solve the problems? No, it will keep some nurses at the bedside. So what are some of the other things that we need to see? The one thing that we didn't hear about was staffing ratios. Yes. That was <laughs> so glaringly like, missing. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, that's a whole other piece that we, we need to continuously talk about. The fact that, again, not much has really changed in terms of the workforce. We're still hemorrhaging nurses. Le nurses are still leaving. You can't pull nurses out of retirement right now because it's like this is a shit show. We don't want to we don't really want any part of this. But again, like I think we need to talk about the fact of the matter is that patient ratios is a huge and, and important aspects to negotiating and bargaining as well and if we look to other forward moving organizations or uh locations i want to say such as california such as bc who have actually enacted patient ratios it has made a huge difference and i would love to see other provinces come on board i i also wanted to mention one thing that i forgot which is that the um the pay increase so here in ontario at least you get your increase for the first eight years of working and then no increase until 25 years. So that has not changed. And I think that when we're looking at retaining nurses long-term, we need to look at wage increases beyond eight years. Yeah, that's, Like, that's I don't wild. know what other <laughs> industry just stops you at eight years, then gives you a little increase at 25, and then that's it. Yeah, I mean, mm. I think this is where... I, maybe people don't even know that, you know, we have... We have our various different provinces. There's 25 different nursing regulators. Um, they're all like each province has their own union. Each union covers different. So like there's 
uh, the, you know, registered nurses union, then there's like registered practical nurses, then there's like licensed psychiatric nurses unions. Like there's so many different umbrellas and it's just like, okay, so at what point do we think about like national license license? licenses Mm -hmm. what point do we think about how do we come together so we can see that you know equivalency across the board from a pay standpoint because we looked at and i'll and hopefully i'll throw up this map where the pay across the provinces are not equal as well and again i think like quebec is suffering as making Mm -hmm. the 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 least amount in terms of hourly wages i think um i think it was either bc or i think alberta uh, alberta is at the top but i mean why why are we doing these things in silos why are we not coming together and you know saying okay so we need uh, a national nursing strategy we need to have you know pay that is equitable for all nurses across the board how do we make sure that all nurses are recognized whether whether you're in a different discipline or not Mm -hmm. and i think these are the other parts of the conversations so you know pulling us together pay is one but also looking at nursing ratios is another yeah and i speak to a lot of nurses from the states and i'm so jealous of you guys and your national compact licensure so basically out of all the states most of them are part of this national compact licensure there's a few outliers like california and new york but for the most part it's relatively easy to get a compact license meaning you can work in any of these states and i'm hoping that we can get to that point north of the border but it's still a long time coming we shall see (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i mean I think, again, just thinking back to some of the other things that we need, I think the other piece is we need to talk about mental health. So, you know, yes, we got, we, we have a, a pay increase. We need to see better patient staffing ratios, based, uh, nurse to patient staffing ratios, but also this mental health aspect. Again, um, I don't see any movement. It's kind of really bizarre mm-hmm. that, again, there has not been greater conversation about what nurses need coming out of this pandemic, or I shouldn't say coming out, like we are still facing these challenges to date. And I think that the fact that there's no additional money or resources going to mental health from a nursing standpoint is concerning to me. Definitely. And I have to say private sector has always been better in terms of mental health benefits. Um, It's just sad because nurses actually we go through a lot and a lot of people are still traumatized by the pandemic and we haven't really addressed that. So yes, we've given nurses a pay increase, but we need to look at other issues, things that we've been advocating for from the beginning and we need to keep talking about it and normalizing the fact that needing mental health support is okay. It's, it's encouraged. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that, you know, we, we, we've kind of touched on the, some of the biggest pieces. Are there any other pieces that we missed out on in terms of, you know, um, some of the parts of the conversation. No, I think the main things were just the unsafe patient ratios. The fact that our pay is still not on par with many of the other male dominated industries. And that, um, this is just the beginning of many increases and, you know, improvements to working conditions that I would love to see for all nurses. Yeah. And I mean, I think this is where, again, I, I'm begging nurses that we need to find a strategy. I know um, we actually have an episode that'll be coming up where we actually talk to Dr. Lee Chapman about the national nursing strategy mm-hmm. and nursing, uh, sorry, the national nursing retention forum and really seeing what that toolkit will have in terms of what we might be able to see from a national uh, healthcare and nursing perspective. But again, I think at the end of the day, um, it's we need to continue that call to action. We need to continue for nurses to raise their voices. This is just one win, but there are several other battles that we're fighting and several other 
calls of con- calls to action that we need to kind of address so again you know we we have this wage increase but we need to talk about staffing we need to talk about mental health we need to talk about the 25 different nursing regulators that we have we need to talk about national licenseship so we can move easily from various different uh, provinces to provinces i don't even think there's a, a database where we know how many nurses are actively working so things like that we need to start looking at and again i think that um I really hope we start seeing some more nurse advocates out of this. And um, that again, that through collective action, we saw change. And I think that's the, the biggest takeaway I had from this. Yeah, and if you're listening and you want to get more involved, I would say reach out to your professional association, to your union, ask these types of questions and see what they are doing about it. And if they aren't doing very much, then say, hey, like, let's get on this. Let's start making let's start making small changes. Yep. If, if you don't have a seat at the table, you make your own. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And um, if you're listening on any of the podcast platforms, leave us a rating and review. Thanks so much. Take care.